Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion. This is your weekly Star Wars podcast. My name's Gary, I'm your host. I hope you're keeping well and safe. I think you've had a good Star Warsy couple of weeks. It's been a, it's been a little while since I've been on the podcast, I must admit. I've been away with work, I've been sick, I've had other stuff to do. So Mark's been carrying the torch, so thank you very much, dude. Very much appreciated. I listened to, um, to uh, the last couple of episodes that you did. Our colleague... Danny Brown was on a couple of weeks ago. That was a good one. And then Mark has been doing some, uh, doing some, uh, some updates on um, things that he'd like to see in Andor and and stuff like that. So uh, that was a very cool couple of episodes. So thank you very much, Bud, for um, for covering and uh, and uh, making sure the Falcons running true and smooth. That's all good. So it's going to be me solo this week. So it's one of those times where, as usual, we can't seem to catch a break in terms of. Uh, us both being on the podcast at the same time etc so mark's on leave at the minute he's having some family time which is good and uh so i'm going to be flying the falcon solo for you guys so this is episode 170 i hope you listen to as i said the last couple of weeks where mark has been rounding out some news and giving his thoughts on andor etc we've got some andor news in this week's episode we've got some casting announcements and we've also got um, some of the panels that have been confirmed for D23, which is happening right now. So if you're listening to this episode as it drops, which is Saturday the 10th of September, then it would have already happened at least one day of it yesterday. And then we've got some other stuff coming up today and tomorrow. So we'll see if anything comes of that. And then I'm going to finish on what looks to be like one of the stunt coordinators on The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. It's got a little bit of a a little bit of a bee in his bonnet about some stuff. I think it was because the Emmys were recently, um, you know, the, uh, the the yearly thing where they where they dish out a bunch of awards for not just actors but also people, a lot of people behind the scenes and um, stunts and visual effects and so on and practical effects. All that stuff is normally up for grabs, and they lost out on the book of Boba Fett. So he was putting his views across as to why he thinks that is, and as a little bit of a rant, a little bit of a a little bit of a thing and that's pretty rare I'll be honest with you that's quite rare for somebody to come out who has been involved and employed by Lucasfilm or Disney and uh, to um, have a little bit of a a bit of a sour grapes moment and uh, so we'll dive into that and see um, and see if there's any merit to that stuff which I'm sure there is but uh, we will get on to that so before I do before I do that as usual make sure that you are following or subscribing to this very podcast in your preferred podcast app just to a search of spark of rebellion you'll find us on there or if you want to listen in your browser just head over to spark forward slash listen all of our episodes are on there to listen to for free at your listening pleasure we are on the socials too mainly twitter and 
Instagram, just go to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Twitter or forward slash Instagram. That'll pop you over to our account. Give us a follow there as we chat Star Wars throughout the week in between episodes. And if you like Spark of Rebellion, if you listen to a few eps now and you think, actually, yeah, these guys are cool. I'm liking the I'm liking the Star Wars bants and the and the news and so on. Then you can support us via our Patreon. So similar link, Star Wars, um, Star Wars, StarWars.com. It's not StarWars.com. Don't do that. Actually do that if you want all the official stuff. But if you want to support us, then go to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon. And it'll kick you over to our Patreon page and you can select a number of tiers there. All starts from a dollar and upwards. And uh, we'd love your support. And to our, con- um, to our current patrons, your continued support is very much appreciated. So thank you very much for all of your support and help thus far. Rightio, let's crack on with this news then. So the first bits, uh, the first few pieces around the Acolyte. And although all the buzz and everything is around Andor at the moment, it seems like... See, this is weird. This is what I don't get around the whole marketing machine at Lucasfilm or Disney, whatever. They can never seem to get this stuff right. I don't know what it is. Honestly, don't know what it is around allowing these stories to to surface and start to... um, you know, put news out about other shows and other films when literally the the thing that you should be marketing is around the corner. (laughs) I will never understand it. Mark and I have spoken about this about three, maybe four times before. When something is coming up, whether it's a video game or a book or a film or a Disney Plus TV show, whatever it might be. And, uh, And we're on the cusp of enjoying that show or whatever that media is and then we get a whole blast of news about something else it's like what are you doing like why are you doing that now you're literally just about to kick off something brand new and uh and the whole world's going nuts about this so anyway andor is about to drop soon that's going to be cool so i think we're about a week away maybe two weeks away from andor dropping and uh another shameless plug go back and listen to last week go listen to mark's thoughts on uh on the things that we should hopefully be seeing an Andor, but um, so the Acolyte. So this was announced back in what was this? Um, was it Star Wars Celebration or something like that? And it's one of those. It was one of those things that that Lucasfilm and Disney do, and they have done over the last few years. Where naively, <laughs> I think that's the best word to use. Naively, they announce a shit ton of shows. And you've, you've seen the screenshots or you've seen the video clips where it's normally Kathleen Kennedy or somebody. They're standing in front of a huge wall, massive screen, and it's got about 15, 20 logos of all the shows, all the Star Wars shows and films that are coming out in the next three to eight years or whatever. And they've done this for a few years now. And inevitably, we know how it works. Out of all of those things, it's normally just one or two that actually see the light of day. Anyway, one of those things was a TV Disney Plus show called The Acolyte, which actually sparked a lot of interest. I remember when we first saw that big wall of logos and all the things, we actually said, yeah, there's a couple that are, that look very good. We, we knew about Obi-Wan anyway, so that was going to be cool. And there was a, a couple of others. But The Acolyte was one of those things that sparked interest because we've seen so much content these days about the light side characters and the goodies and and all that stuff we don't really dive into the the 
the dark side and the, you know the the baddies specifically for anything they normally just pop up in other things the best example is darth vader he's popped up in a few things notably rogue one that was all around you know the rebellion and he popped up in there obviously and then he popped up in obi-wan so obi-wan was around that character kind of finding himself again and and uh, and getting his life back on track as a jedi rather than just an outcast etc so that was very much focused on obi-wan and you know coming to grips with at first his life as a you know as a after losing quote unquote and and then Vader pops up in that, obviously. So this is the first time that we're going to have a uh, some media around just focusing on the dark side of the Force and those characters. And just as a bit of a recap, those of you that have not um, that have not seen anything about the Acolyte, the Acolyte is um, a story that's focused on. Uh, a person or persons um, that have got force abilities, but they are learning those force abilities from the Sith. So they're dark side abilities and so on. And in terms of the Star Wars universe, the term acolyte refers to somebody that has force abilities and, um, and they are progressing those or learning those abilities from a Sith Lord. Hence the name of the show, The Acolyte. So we didn't know too much about it. We've got some casting drops, which is very cool. So Lee Jung-jae, who was the lead in the very, very cool Squid Game from Netflix, he has landed one of the lead roles. Now, this sounds cool on on a couple of accounts, really. First of all, it's really good that they've looked outside of the usual um, American or British uh, pool of, of talent to star, uh, somebody to star in, in this show. So having somebody like uh, Lee Jung-jae just adds uh, uh, an element of, uh, of obviously diversity to this, but also not your standard run-of-the-mill um, character that you'd or actor or actress that you would normally cast in something like Star Wars. So that's very cool. And then secondly, it's very cool because whether you liked Squid Game or not, the, the lead character... Um, played by Legion J was so captivating it he his performance was so good that it was inevitable that he was going to be cast in plenty of other things and uh, uh it's just very cool this is this is his first american studio produced leading role so that's cool as well so i'm really i'm so looking forward to this you know one of the things that alongside what i just spoke about about having a, an episode or a TV show, sorry, that's focused around the dark side and the Sith and so on. I think it's going to be very cool in terms of opening the door a little bit further for that stuff. Because let's face it, in the world of Star Wars, in the grand scheme of things, the bad guys, it's one of the few franchises where loads of people, especially kids as they're growing up, they want to be a baddie as well as a goodie. It's not like He-Man or, you know, nobody wanting to be Skeletor. You know, nobody wanted to be um, Mumra from Thundercats. Nobody wanted to be, you know, the bad guys in anything. Nobody wanted to be Shredder in, you know, in, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Whereas in Star Wars, everybody loved playing as Darth Vader. Everybody loved being a Stormtrooper. You know, all that stuff. So I think 
there's definitely a whole world to explore there. It's not all about the light side of the force. It's not all about the Skywalker saga, blah, blah, blah. So I think this is going to be great. If, if this does well, I think we will see a lot more, not just TV shows, but especially video games and, and books and so on that explore the Sith specifically or exclusively, should I say. So that's very cool news. Lee Jung Jae landed the big role in The Acolyte and uh, no comment from Lucasfilm on this. I think a load of media outlets and blogs and, and so on have contacted them to find out some more information, but they're like, you know, as usual, they're like, mm, you know, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so we'll, we'll keep you guys updated on what his character uh, ultimately ends up being. And then we've got a second bit of casting news is um, Jodie Turner-Smith has also been or cast or is about to be cast, according to sources, is finalising a deal um, with Disney um, again to to start in The Acolyte. Now, I've not seen anything with Jodie Turner-Smith, so I do apologise, but apparently she's um, she's taken a world by storm at the minute, so she's won a couple of awards for her role in something called Queen and Slim. I've not heard of that or seen it, but um, she's won a couple of awards for that. And she was also the title character in the series Anne Boleyn. Uh, she's also got some stuff coming up in the pipeline, got some more stuff in the pipeline. So she's going to star in something with Adam Sandler on Netflix, uh, Murder Mystery 2. Uh, she's also going to star alongside Vince Vaughn in an Apple Plus TV, uh, Apple TV Plus series uh, called Bad Monkey. And, um, and she's also in a film with Adam Driver uh, called White Noise. So she's really coming up fast as a, a very well-known actress. And again, a bit like Lee Jung-jae, a very um, a very clever bit of casting where you take somebody that has excelled in um, you know, a few projects recently and then you want to snap them up before they get to that point where they're just too big um, to star in. It sounds weird, but to star in something like a small little Star Wars show. Because let's face it, The Acolyte is not going to be like... Um, I don't think it's going to have as much fanfare around it and as much stuff going on as something like the Obi-Wan Kenobi series did. It's a relatively, a slightly smaller uh, production and something like that. So that's the news around the Acolytes, which is very cool. So some two very good casting announcements there. And again, nothing official from Lucasfilm or Disney, but... Um, uh, we, we, we expect that in the next... It will probably happen the day before Andor drops. <laughs> They'll just pull the rug from under Andor and start doing... Um, from under uh, Andor and start doing all of the, the cool and news bits and stuff, weirdly. Um, and talking of Andor, the the actress who plays Mon Mothma, Genevieve O'Reilly, has discussed a little bit around how her character has been progressed and developed a little bit f um, specifically for... Andor, and um, she uh, uh, she um, she was talking to EW, so Entertainment Weekly, and she uh, caps this off um, with a one-liner just to say, we see her literally and figuratively take off her cloak and reveal herself as a woman in a way we've never seen before. And uh, in a bit more detail, I won't read the whole thing, but she goes on to say that we really get to develop her as a character, we get to learn about her not just as a senator, but as a woman. Um, we learn what her life is like, what she has had to wrestle with, what are the dangers in her life, and what it costs to be her. 
And she said that Tony's writing is so intricate and so taut. It lives in this world of the spy genre, um, of a socio uh, political drama, and yet it's set within Star Wars, so it feels universal and intimate all at once. Now, this sounds very cool because Mon Mothma is one of those characters that initially started out as, oh, it's the it's the woman from it's the woman from A New Hope, you know, back in the day, and you know when she popped up in um, in Rogue One and stuff, it was uh, it was very much um, almost felt like a, a bit like a novelty in a way. Uh, it wasn't. It didn't feel like it was. Um, didn't really feel like there was anything concrete there. It was just, you know, she was there because that's just when the, the canon timeline happened to be. So now that we get some progression and a little bit of a bit of an insight into her character, a little bit deeper than just, yep, she's involved in the rebellion because that's as much as we've got so far. I think this is going to be a good thing. Uh, and then she goes on, just lastly, to say that we see her talking to senators and then we meet her at home with her husband. We see the public and the private side of her. We see her literally and figuratively take off her cloak and reveal herself as a woman in a way that we've never seen before. So Mon Mothma, she's going to have more screen time by the look of it. Her character is going to be shown in a bit more depth, a bit more insight into her as a woman, as well as her job as a senator, as well as being involved in the um, in the early days of the rebellion. And so on, which is what Andor's all about. Obviously, we know that it's around, you know, every rebellion has its, you know, excuse the pun, spark of rebellion, you know, somewhere. So, uh, and that's what Andor's going to explore. So, yeah, Genevieve O'Reilly there, clearly um, really liking how her character has been written and progressed within Andor. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that we, this is, we won't see the last of her character in Andor. So, some, uh, some good stuff to look forward to when Andor when Andor when Andor drops very soon. When does Andor drop? It's the end of. I'm sure it's a couple of weeks. Let me have a quick Google. This is very unprofessional, but let me have a look. 21st of September. Yeah. So we've got. Um, so we've got a uh, uh, week and a bit, week and a half. So that sounds rather, sounds rather good. Right now, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke around the D23 Expo. And trying to figure out if there's going to be any cool stuff that's going to come out of that for Star Wars. We know there's going to be plenty of plenty of Marvel stuff, that's for sure, but not so much in the way of Star Wars. Now, if you're listening to this episode on um, on Drop Day, which is Saturday, the 10th of September, then this has already been going on for a day already. So yesterday, on the 9th of September, we have um, the Disney Legends Awards ceremony. That's um. That's, that was hosted by Disney CEO Bob Chapek, and um, he gave fans like an early look at um, the 100 years of wonder uh, and celebrating everything from you know throughout Disney for the last um, the last hundred years and so on. We then got our Disney and Marvel game showcase, and that does dip into some Star Wars stuff. So there wasn't too much that came out of that, to be honest with you. Um, it was mainly around some of the um, some of the Marvel games and um, a bit from 20th Century Studios, and then we had the um, the whole uh, the, a podcast live that celebrated the Marvel music and a little bit from um, from the films and TV and so on. Today, September 10th, we um, not so much Star Wars again. We've got a big Marvel Comics thing that's kicking off this afternoon at two o'clock which celebrates 60 years of Spider-Man. And that's going to go through everything from the humble beginnings. Anyone that's a comic book fan will know 
um, that Spider-Man first appeared in the comic Amazing Fantasy number 15. I think that was back in 63, 62. So they're going to go back and have a look at that and then have a look at all of his stuff uh, or a lot of his stuff up to now and uh, and look across those six decades. So nothing Star Wars there. And then the other thing is uh, that's happening tomorrow is really just stuff around the parks themselves. So Disney parks and the experience and so on. And that's going to be put forward by the um, the parks experiences and products chairman, Josh DeMauro. And he's going to look at what's going to happen with um, what's going to happen around all the Disney parks um, across the next however many years. So we're not sure on that. And then there's another big um, extra presentations and stuff that's happening just for Marvel specifically. So there's a lot around Thor, Love and Thunder, which is the latest film uh, in the uh, in the Thor, the Thor, the Thor franchise. And then we've got um, a lot of Marvel and She-Hulk stuff going on, a little bit around Wakanda Forever and um, Moon Knight, what's going on with that. And that's about it. So we will we will summarise this stuff next week once all of the panels have been done because there are some Star Wars panels there are some there are some things going on um so we will we will see what what happens at the end of it to me it feels more like this is focused on Disney specifically especially around the history of Disney over the last 100 years the future of Disney parks the future of Disney you know all that stuff and then they've thrown a load of Marvel stuff in it doesn't look like there's so much going on with Star Wars, but you never know. You never know. We'll keep you updated if there's anything huge that drops over the next day or two. I can't see that happening, but um, yeah, we will summarise what we did see from Star Wars next week anyway. So there we go, D23, that's happening at the minute, and we'll keep you updated on that. And then lastly, to finish off, I want to talk about this story that was um, that was picked up by a few people, but uh, I'm reading the summary of this over at Cosmic cosmicbook.news. And uh, in a nutshell, it looks like the stunt coordinator on The Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett has got some major sour sour grapes going on because they didn't win stunt coordination on The Book of Boba Fett. Now, uh, this is quite a long thing, so I'm not going to read the whole... I'm just going to pick out some of the the juicy bits. Um, But... Uh, stunt coordinator Ryan Watson uh, has taken to Instagram to tell the world about his disdain for losing out on the outstanding stunt coordination for a drama series to Netflix's Stranger Things. Although Boba Fett did win outstanding special visual effects, that's obviously the opposite end of the scale in terms of producing a TV show that a stunt coordinator would deal with. So um, it sounds kind of obvious, but a stunt coordinator and all the stuntmen, a stuntman, all the stunt men and women, they will all be involved in everything that's practical. There's no visual trickery in anything that those guys do. Their craft is very much uh, a tough physical art form, uh, and they don't get involved in any of the, you know, CG work, visual effects, all of that stuff. Uh, so that's what Boba Fett did win, but um, Ryan Watson is very unhappy because he feels like the the stunt people 
of the world, especially those employed by big corporations like Disney and so on, are not given the opportunity to really um, have their say in how stuff is produced and filmed, even though they're the ones that are kind of masterminding what's going on behind the scenes. And his first tweet on uh, his first tweet, his first Instagram post was basically saying, look, I love our stunt team. I love the people we work with. I absolutely love John Favreau. He kind of pushed back against what he keeps calling the corporate machine a little bit and allowed us to have a little bit of freedom to do that stuff. But in a nutshell, he was overridden. And as he said, there's always somebody that comes in from the big corporate machine and says, I want this done this way. I think we should do that. And it just ruins things in terms of the the final product and the, the thing that essentially viewers see on their screens. Now, I'll pick out a few bits from his first post. Basically says, the Emmys were yesterday and Star Wars lost. Just a reminder to my stunt team, or should I say our stunt team, that we did it and we have won. We won because John Favreau let us do it. So thank God for you, sir. I wish I could tell you how much I love you. And to my stunt team, I love you all so much. Then he goes on to say that, uh, I shout out to Disney. Nobody did it like we did. And I'm so proud of the true martial artists and the stunt performers that made seasons one and two of The Mandalorian legendary. And we made history. We brought Star Wars back from a failing franchise. And we should all be proud. We had Mozart in our blood and the Salaries, Saliers of the world tried to tell us it was our fault. Our art stood strong and forever will be remembered as the best action Star Wars ever had. Mozart died thinking he was a failure, but the audience has spoken and forever we will be remembered as reinventing a dying brand. I'm so proud of uh, you all who won the two Emmys. We won, we will go down in history. So as you can tell, it sounds like he's immensely happy and proud with the work that he did on the show. Um, he's just not very happy that, um, you know, he's not very, this will be in the next post, but essentially goes on again to say that this was 100% John Favreau. He says, thank you, Master Fav, for having the vision. I'm sorry that even with you and your artistic genius, you had to face the corporate machine. Uh, to the audience, thanks, we gave so much. We have so much more to give. Please share this post, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes on and posts a video and then another post and basically says, look, I was pointing out the frustration that happens with every stunt coordinator. Uh, JJ Dashnor is a wonderful stunt coordinator. I worked with him on the Book of Boba Fett. He's a great guy and knows what he's doing. And the guys that he used were a lot of the guys that I used. So it was never about that. It was all, it's about how sometimes it's like you get a winning formula and then for some reason somebody comes in and tries to change it. Uh, he then goes on to say... Um, uh, my team and myself, uh, I was done wrong and not by John Favreau. He supports me. I hope this doesn't hurt our relationship, but I was trying, what I was trying to get at is that it seems that every time you get something good, AKA seasons one or two of Mando, um, the book of Boba Fett didn't do so well. And it wasn't because of the stunt coordinator, um, JJ Dashnor. It was because the stunt people do not get listed, listened to on how to shoot action. It just mes it just amazes me that, especially at Disney, they have these people that are trying to shoot what we um, uh, choreograph. He said, we make up the action, and a lot of the times we don't have a say 
in how that stuff is shot. Uh, he goes on to compare things like American cinema to things like um, Jackie Chan and uh, mentions um, uh, uh, Oriental Chinese Kung Fu movies and Donnie Yen example. For example, he goes on to say, if anyone remembers back in the old days of the cannibal run, when Jackie Chan was brought out to America, the American filmmakers didn't listen to him and the action looked like shit. And that's what happened on the Book of Boba Fett. If Dashnall was second unit directing, or myself was second unit directing, would have never have looked like shit. And it's too bad that these companies don't realise that. And I apologise for saying that, but it's true. Why don't you guys listen to the masters and the artists on what we do? Whether it's special effects, whether it's stunts or building sets, these are all great artists, but there's always someone that comes in and goes, no, no, I want to put that there or whatever. Same thing with the choreography. They say, let's just do that here. And you and you know that they don't know what they're talking about. Um, he then goes on to say, I can't imagine someone going up to a surgeon during open heart surgery and going, hey, are you sure you want to cut that artery right there? I'd like to cut it over here. And that's why movies sometimes fails, he says, because they don't listen to the artists and the business side of it takes effect and it doesn't work. It's just frustrating because I feel I was done wrong. I'm not stunt coordinating over there anymore and I was never given a reason. So this whole thing is actually on the producer whose name I'm not going to say out of respect because they were always respectful. And then he mentions lastly, uh, he goes on to mentions uh, Gina Carano and says that's one of the reasons why they got rid of Gina Carano. She was well liked and that's all I'm going to say. And then lastly, um, this the last bit from his Instagram, his last Instagram post, he finishes with, just let us do our job. Let stunt people do it. We know what we're doing. They do it in Hong Kong and it blows our movies away. Donnie Yen gets to have a say in what he does. They don't come in and change his shit. Quit changing our shit. We're making you look good. Quit making yourself look bad. This is your fault. Oh dear. So Ryan, uh, Ryan Watson is not happy because it sounds like there was a bit of a double kick in the teeth for him there. Basically, he feels like if he'd have been given the freedom and a bit more creative opportunity to advise on how the stunts and how the action should have been filmed and shot, then the the final product would have looked better and they probably would have stood a chance at winning that Emmy for Outstanding Stunt Coordination. And then secondly, it sounds like he's now been let go and he's not going to be working on... Um, you know, any future Mando or Boba Fett or whatever is happening at, at Lucasfilm. So a little bit of sour grapes there. But what I find fascinating about this is that it's not been closed down. That's what I found fa I find um, intriguing because we know that Lucasfilm and Disney, they are hot on the socials. You know, that's one of the reasons why they clamped down so quickly on Gina Carano, um, Diego, you know, these people that have spoken out and have not quite towed the line a little bit in terms of what Disney and Lucasfilm think that these actors and so on should be, how they should be representing themselves on socials. It's very rare to have somebody like this who has, who has worked, you know, on, you know, quite a few Star Wars things by now. And he even references it earlier as, you know, we saved Star Wars as a dying brand. You know, it's, you can tell he's very passionate about it. But uh, I'm really surprised that Lucasfilm or Disney haven't kind of swooped in and and had this stuff taken offline and stuff. So very much not happy. And the uh, the overall kind of takeaway is that 
he feels like stunt people and coordinators just need to be left alone a little bit, first of all, to really make sure that they're, what they're doing is being portrayed properly. And secondly, a little bit more, a little bit more say in how those things are shot. So I, I completely get what he's saying. It's like they spent all this time and effort, both physically and, you know, everything, making sure that this action sequence or this fight sequence or whatever is is mapped out and planned as best as it could be. Why would you then not have them advise on how best to make that look on screen? So I kind of get what you're saying. On the other side of the coin, however... You do have the producers and the cinematographer and, you know, the camera operators and all the other people that kind of think, well, you know, that's their job to make sure that it's filmed and shot in such a way that, you know, adheres to the overall design direction and the creative direction and all that stuff. You know, they don't want some stunt dude telling them how to do these. So I, I kind of get what's happening here. It's like a, I think it's something that's been around for decades within the TV and film industry, but I do kind of get what you're saying. You know, collaboration is always, always ends in a better product overall. So if the stunt guys and the stunt coordinators can talk a bit more with the producers and the, you know, the camera operators and so on, you know, to me, that sounds like common sense. That would ultimately end up in a much better, because, you know, if you've got the stunt coordinator talking to the cinema photographer about, uh, you know, a certain shot on the camera operator and you say, look, within this sequence, we've done it so that this part of it is accented and we really want to focus in on that bit that would then make sure that that part of the sequence you know is is very much you know the the focus of that however long that lasts so i totally see all that stuff i know what you know i kind of see that but yeah it's just very rare to have somebody involved in lucasfilm and disney so so deep within their 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 tv or films to be allowed to have a good old rant and, and and not happy. So there we go. As usual, all the links to the stories that we speak about every week is all linked in our show notes. So have a click on it, go over to Cosmic Book News and have a look and uh, engage your own thoughts. And I haven't read all of it, so go and check out um, some of the other stuff that Ryan Watson has put on there as well. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to wrap, Star Wars fans, for episode 170. Thank you very much for coming back and listening to another episode and another week here at Spark of Rebellion. That was episode 170. So some really good news coming out for casting for the Acolyte. That was very cool. So Lee Jung-Jae and uh, Jodie Turner-Smith both announced or about to be announced for the Acolyte, which is really good. Genevieve O'Reilly, really happy with how her character Mon Mothma is being developed for Andor. We're not sure on D23 yet. We'll let you know if anything comes of that for Star Wars. And go and check out the uh, the post around Ryan Watson and his very much not happy sour grapesy Instagram posts. And let us know what you think over there. Hit us up on the Twitter. Just uh, search for Spark of Rebellion or go to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Twitter and let us know what you think about any of these stories. Uh, next week then for episode 171, I'm, I think that Mark and I will be back together to talk Star Wars. I think so. (laughs) Quote me on that. But that should be cool. So we will cover all the news, everything that's going on within Star Wars. And uh, the week after that, we will probably talk about Andor, episode one. So that'll be good. 
So stick around for that. So make sure that you are following or subscribing to this podcast in your fave podcast app. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion uh, in that app and uh, you'll be able to follow us there. All of our content is available for free or you can listen to us in your browser. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com. And if you whack a forward slash listen on the end of that, that'll pop you over to all the networks and, and, and podcast uh, sites and apps and so on if you want to listen on those as well. So as I mentioned, we're on Twitter. Head over to Instagram as well, sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Instagram. Follow us over there. We chat Star Wars throughout the week and post little tidbits there. And lastly, um, if you want to support Spark of Rebellion, if you like what we do here, you can do that via our Patreon So head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and you can jump on from $1 upwards. There are various plans there. Get yourself some SOR swag. And thank you very much once again to our our current patrons. You guys are so awesome. We, We very much appreciate your continued support. And as always, everything that comes through via Patreon, all of those... Um, all of those contributions go back into producing the show so um, thank you very much for your for your support our current patrons we love you until next week then for episode 171 take care of yourselves have a good Star Warsy week and may the force be with you always always